Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. Good to be in God's house. Amen. Among God's people. We are, my name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. I want to remind you to, to uh, share this message and to subscribe to our channel and, to, and let the message go around to as, far, as many people as possible. But we are in a brand new series that we have simply entitled Fight. Fight. Where we've been learning biblical principles or we'll be learning biblical principles about how to fight for our faith and our families, and not just with them. How many know there's a difference? Come on, somebody. Because now more than ever, we know it's incredibly difficult to raise a family in today's world, today's society. So we have to learn to fight. Fight, fight for a good marriage. It doesn't come automatically. Fight for, uh, 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 to, to raise our kids in the right way. It seems like all the forces of the world seems to be against us. And we need to know how to pick and choose our battles because some battles are not worth fighting. Amen? And and the devil loves to see us kind of chasing our tails and exhausting ourselves with futile and self-destructive behaviors, especially with battles that aren't worth fighting. So we need to know who we're fighting against because we have enemies that are constantly declaring war. And and many of you saw the news over the last few days and how the Taliban has taking over uh, Afghanistan in 11 days, and, 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 and they're concerned that al-Qaeda is still there, and we were at war with al-Qaeda. We have September 11th coming up. We didn't even know we were at war when they did what they did. So it's important for us to kind of know who our enemies are who are constantly declaring war. And that's not just true in the physical, that's true in the spiritual as well because they're very deceptive. They operate with lots of lies. They're, they're dead set on destroying us and everything we're trying to build, not only in our lives, but in our homes. But the good news is that God has given us tools to not just only survive, but to thrive. Amen? Because he wants to see us spiritually and emotionally healthy. And, and, and that goes for our families. It goes for our marriages. It goes for our children as well. In fact, he's committed to it. He's committed to it. But like we said last week, uh, he has a plan for us to work, but it only works if we work the plan. Amen? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they listen to me. And it's it's only those who, who obey what he says are those who are justified before him. It's one thing to hear it, but if you hear it and let it go in one ear and out the other, it's not going to do you any good. Amen? And so we need, to, we need to figure out what his plan is, what his vision is, and then work the plan. Well, he's got a plan for our families. Amen? And so over the next few weeks, I'm asking you to make a commitment to be here with us because I'm going to do the fight overview today, but next week we're going to be talking about how to fight like a man, biblical man. And then we're going to talk about how to fight like a woman. Come on, somebody. Not, 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 not that. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about spiritually, amen, so that we can gain the victories in our lives. And so we're talking about fighting because that's what we're in. We're in a battle. So let me give you some background. 
as we jump into our text. It's going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4, but let me give you some background. It's about 720 B.C. The Syrians have attacked the people of Israel. They've been driven into uh, Babylonian captivity for years. The temple, the city, and the walls of the city are destroyed. They were destroyed by the king of Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king, and he gets word of how his people are living among the ruins, and he asks permission to go see for himself. And when he goes to see, it's worse than what he had heard. They're living in a war zone. The people have completely given up. And so Nehemiah is deeply burdened by the Lord for what he now sees. Now, let me describe what a God-given burden looks like. It's when you take personal responsibility for something that's falling apart. In other words, it affects you so deeply you just can't sit and watch it happen any longer. You have to do something to fix it. So burdens, another word would be a great passion, if you will. And passions is where action is born. You just can't sit and watch it anymore. It's not like flipping the channels and seeing the, the, the little kids with the, with the bugs crawling on their face and then you're on to the next channel. You can't, you can't a, a God-given burden won't allow you to just flip the channels. God gave Nehemiah a burden, a God-given burden for his city. And in chapter 2, he rallies the people to help them to rebuild the walls around the city. And that's the first step. As the walls were going up, they needed the walls to help protect the families from the enemies. I have no idea why people have a hard time with walls and fences. It's biblical, okay? To keep your family safe, those inside safe, and your enemies out. And so the walls of, of Jerusalem at this point were torn down. Let's take a look at that. There were, there were holes everywhere. Anybody could just walk in. And this is what, what, why part of the people were dejected and part of the people were living in, in, in squalor because their enemies could just walk right in and do whatever they want. And so in chapter 4, and we're going to come back to this, but in chapter 4 he outlines a detailed plan for the families to work together to accomplish the work at hand and repair these holes. In 4.13, we'll come back to it, but it says, So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas, and I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords and spears and bows. So knowing their situation was somewhat precarious, he wanted them to be ready. Why? Because there were enemies. And sure enough, while this was going on, opposition formed by the way of three specific enemies coming against them. We see them in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19. It says, but when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked? Are you rebelling against the king? And so these are the local people surrounding them who are not for them, and now they start to ridicule the rebuilding of the wall. They did not want to see them healthy. How many of you know that there are people out here that do not want to see things healthy in your lives? There's, there's people that not, don't necessarily want to see your marriage succeed or, or, or you to, to, to do better in your life. There are people like that. And so they, they were surrounded by people just like that. But in spite of the ridicule, things progressed because he rallied the people and they saw the walls being repaired. 
But because of the threats, because of the threats, the people became overcome with fear, thinking that they were going to be attacked and killed while this process was going on. So Nehemiah responded, and I'm going to show you the whole text. This is how he responded in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 7. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashot heard that the repairs of the wall, Jerusalem walls had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Verse 11, also our enemies said, before they know it, is, before they know it or see us, We'll be right there among them, and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. In other words, they're hearing rumors not getting from all over, even from their own people, the, the Jews who are living close by. Therefore, someone say therefore. My pastor used to say, whenever you see the words therefore, you have to ask yourself, what's it there for? Amen. In verse 13, he says, therefore, he did something. He says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight, your fa fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So what did Nehemiah do? Did he do nothing? No. He did at least three important things that I want you guys to take note of this morning. I want you to write them down. The first thing he did was he remind, he united the families. He united the families. Because their situation was so scattered, scattered they were defenseless. But when he got them together, how many of you know Jesus said it, a house, a house divided cannot stand, but united we can do something. Amen? Amen. And so, and so you, unity is the key. It's not just the key in our families. It's the key for our church. Turn to someone and say, we need to stay united. Come on. And there's things fighting against that every step of the way, fighting against unity in the body of Christ. So we need to stay united. Our families need to stay united. The second thing he did was he reminded them why they were rebuilding and fighting. It's not just about the here and now. It's about your future, and it's about your family's future. It's, the work is hard now, but if you stay focused, it's going to pay off for you and pay off for them later. How many know we live in an instant gratification society? We want to see things happen today. But in terms of the Lord, some things, some things you have to put off instant gratification for what God is doing tomorrow. Amen? We need to figure that out. And then the third thing he did it was because he redirected them back to the Lord. He redirected them back to the Lord, reminding them that the battle isn't theirs alone. The battle belongs to who? The battle belongs to the Lord, and the Lord was with them. My question to you is, what are you going through today? What situation and circumstance are you facing today? What, what, what enemies are railing against you today? I'm here to remind you of this truth. The battle is not yours alone. Amen? The battle is not yours alone. The battle is the Lord's. 
And it may be over your head, but it's never over God's head. Amen? And it may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than your God. Amen? And so I, I want to remind you that whatever you are facing, you are not facing it alone if you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So he reminded them that. But there was stuff that they had to do, okay? He had to, he armed them with tools. One hand, he put uh, building tools in one hand. And in the other hand, he put weapons because the, the enemies were threatening to attack at any time. They had to be ready. And so in other words, he gave them a plan to fight for each other and to have each other's backs. Folks, that's how we get the victory. That's how we get the victory. So here's the parallel in our lives. We, too, are called to build, amen, to build something great and of great value. And I'm not talking about a ministry. I'm not talking about a church building. I'm talking about our families. How many know our families are under attack? Our families are under attack. That's what's, ha that's what's happening in our communities. And, and we face enemies all around us that want to depress us and discourage us, dissuade us or, 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 uh, from even staying in the battle. There, there's so much pressure to just throw your hands up and quit today because, because you feel so overwhelmed. But the question is, are you burdened enough to, instead of fighting with your family, to fight for them? Amen? Amen? Instead of fighting with your husband to fight for him. Instead of fighting with your wife to fight for her. Instead of fighting with your children to fight for them. Is your burden strong enough that it creates a passion to not just sit and watch, but to do something? Amen? Amen. To get involved. And if you're going to be effective in, getting, in doing anything, you have to figure out the why behind your fighting. And the answer is, because the walls of protection we build today will not just affect us, but it's going to affect our children and our children's children. Amen? And it's going to affect them for generations. I've got four kids, four grown kids, and I've got five grandkids and one on the way. And, and one of my daughter's families has three foster kids that they intend on, on, on adopting. So I'm about to go from what, eight or from, from about six to about nine or ten grandkids, just like that. And that's just two of my kids, <laughs> okay? Listen, why do I fight? They're, what, they're the reasons why I fight, amen? It's not even just about me. I'm getting old. It's about who I'm leaving behind. It's about my legacy. If I leave it to this world, the world will have them doing some crazy stuff. Someone needs to tell them that they got a God in heaven who loves them. Someone needs to tell them that God has a plan for their lives that supersedes the foolishness that the world is offering. Someone needs to stand up in the family and be God's man and God's woman and, and fight for your family and fight for their future. Amen? We are fighting for them. Amen? That's why we fight. And not only do we need to know why we're fighting, we need to know who we're fighting. Nehemiah identified three people, three enemies, Sand, Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. Folks, we have at least three enemies as well. I want you to write this down. Number one, Satan. Satan is our enemy. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus speaking, 
says he wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. But he identifies another entity, and he calls it the thief. And his purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Who's the thief? Satan's the thief. Satan and his minions are the thief. And what they're trying to do at all times is to steal from you, to kill, and to destroy whatever God is trying to do in your life. And so that's why Jesus says, come to me, amen? Because my purposes for you are good. My plans for you are good. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Ephesians 6, 12 describes the battle as well. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And so he's letting us know that the battle isn't all physical, but it's spiritual. But if we keep treating it as it's physical, you're going to fight the wrong, you're going to, you're going to fight in a wrong manner. He says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. This is flesh and blood. But he says we're fighting against, it. let me read it again. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Say the unseen world. See, it's not just the person attacking you. It's that thing that's aggravating the person attacking you. Now, you can go back tit for tat, or you can spend some time. You know what, Lord? I'm going to spend some time on my knees and fight my battles that way. Start praying for, against the thing that's aggravating your husband. That's annoying your wife. That's trying to pull your kids into a certain direction. You would probably be more effective praying on your knees than constantly fighting flesh and blood. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Keep that in mind. The first enemy is the devil. That's who we're wrestling against. The second one is culture or our world system. Write that down. Put, put both of them down. Our culture or our world system. I, I came across this little thing on, on Facebook. It says, something is seriously wrong when the world is offended by everything but sin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We live in a counterculture. They're offended about everything except what the Bible calls sin. And if you mention those things, they get offended. Something is drastically wrong when we're living in a society where up is down and down is up and good is bad and bad is good. That's the world we're living in. And that's the enemy that we're facing today. Culture or the world system. Well, this is what the Bible says. It says in Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he transform you into a new person? By changing the way you think. Some of us need to get rid of that stinking thinking. We've been indoctrinated long enough. He changes the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I always ask this question. Anyone interested in knowing what God's will is for us? I do. 
I want to know what it is. But you're never going to know what it is if you're following the culture or the world system. It's going to a different place. The only way I'm going to figure out what God is wanting me to do is to get into his word. Amen? Amen. And to allow his Holy Spirit. But I'm getting, getting ahead of ourselves. But it definitely says do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. John 2, 15 and 17 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Hello. And this world, this is why he says don't love the world. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. In that previous verse, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The three things that people are living for. And it tells you why you shouldn't fall in love with this world. This world is here today and gone tomorrow. Anybody don't believe that in light of what's happening in this world already? I mean, we can see that happening before our eyes. This world is shaking. Everything in this world is shaking. If you are living for the here and now, you have aimed low. And you're going to hit your target. And you're going to hit your target against something that's fading away. So he says, don't fall in love with this world. Live in it. We, we have to live in this world. But don't fall in love with this world because the things in this world are fading away. And they teach us to do the opposite of what the Word of God says. I, I mean, I can't get off of just the basic stuff. An example, the Bible says he created them male and female. Just two genders. This world is confused. This world is teaching our children that they can choose their own gender. That's stupid. That's beyond stupid. But that's what they're teaching them. I heard a teacher get fired because he refuses to do that. And they fired him because he refuses to tell his children that they can choose their gender. Their gender. And the Bible makes it clear he's only made to, male and female. The world is going nuts. And if you follow the, the template of the world, the culture of this world, you will not fulfill the plans that God has for you. Because you're going to bring it into your home. And then you're going to bring it into your community, into your church. And before you know it, they're all confused. Because you've been listening to nonsense. Let me give you the third enemy that, that we have. What's the first enemy? What's the second enemy? Culture or this world system, right? Let me give you the third one. Believe it or not, it's our old self, our old self, our unregenerated self. Our old self will try to drag us back to our old habits. You have to fight it or it can set yourself up to destroy you or to bring you back to old ways of thinking. Colossians 3, 5 through 9 says, So put to death the sinful nature. That sounds pretty definitive. Amen? Doesn't say play with it. Doesn't say placate it. Doesn't say put it in a box until your wife is not looking. <laughs> or until it's 2 o'clock in the morning. 
Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about here? Come on, somebody. It says, kill it. One translation says, crucify it. The way Jesus was crucified for our sins, put to death. It says, put to death the sinful nature. Earthly things lurking within you, having nothing, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. So this is who we were, okay? But this is not who we are anymore, amen? But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old self, or your old sinful nature, and all its wicked deeds. All these things are part of the past. Don't make it part of your present or your future. So we need to fight the old nature any way we can and, and get help if we need to. Don't be naive or passive or dismissive, but get aggressive with it. Protect what the Father has given you, amen? That's your defense against the enemies of this world. But how many know a great defense where they, we, they used to tell us in, 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 um, in my, when I played football, a great offense is a good defense. But how many know you still need an offense, amen? And let me just give you some offensive things that we need to do if we're going to uh, fight effectively. We found it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So get rid of the old one, and then you put on your new nature and be renewed in your thinking as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You want to know what the goal of the Father is for each and every one of us? It's not to become like Pastor Rick or to become like Moses or whatever. It's become like Jesus. Amen? That's who we're trying to be like. It's become like him. And this is how we do it. Let me give you a couple of things that we can do. This is how we become like him. First of all, you put on the helmet of salvation, right? That's where it starts, where you acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need a savior. We acknowledge that that old nature has been running our lives long enough and that in Jesus, he crucified it. And so we're going to consider it dead. We're going to repent of our sins trust Jesus for our salvation of our souls, and the Bible says in that moment we become born again. We become a brand new creation or cre uh, uh, creature in Christ Jesus. So we put on the helmet of salvation, and then it talks about renewing our minds. How do we renew our minds? We use the sword of the Spirit, which the Bible calls the Word of God. That means I'm going to spend some time reading God's Word. Amen? The Bible says it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it's able to divide marrow, bone from marrow. It has the ability to, to do spiritual uh, surgery in our hearts. It, it can, it, it, if we allow the Holy Spirit by His, I mean, if we allow the Word of God by the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak to us, it will start to convict us of things that we're doing and saying that we probably ought 
ought not be doing and saying. Amen? And then it will convict us of righteousness or the right things to do. It's, not, it's one thing to stop one thing, but you can't walk this life out by just stomping things. You've got to fill it with something good. Amen? And the Word of God will tell you what to fill it with. So use God's Word. And again, depend on the Holy Spirit. That's where the power is. And speaking of the Word, let me just encourage you, if you're not involved in a life group, get involved in one. We've got, we've got a couple going on. Uh, there's a life group sign-up in the, in the foyer. Just fill it out. We're starting them this week. But this is our uh, way of trying to, where the Bible says, I've, I've taken God's word in my heart so I won't sin against him. So I'll know what, what, what is right based on what the word says and not what the world says. Does that make sense? And then I'll depend on the Holy Spirit to, to lead me and to guide me. That's where the power is, uh, folks. There's certain things that we cannot change. We're not going to be able to change on our own. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about pure, you know, willpower. I'm talking about Holy Ghost power in our lives. That's what we need. We need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And of course, the fourth thing, if we're going to become like him, is we're going to start to talk to him. That's called prayer. And that's about as complicated as that definition needs to be. Prayer is talking to God. And I, someone suggested a push prayer. You know what push prayer means? Pray until something happens. Amen? That means we're not giving up on communicating with God. No matter how dark things look, uh, no matter how bleak things have gotten in our family, God is the way-making God. Amen? He's a healer. He's a redeemer. He's, the, he's our deliverer. And I'm not saying it. Spend, your time, spend some time in the Bible. Read the things that he's done and allow it to lift your faith to say, this is what I say. Lord, if you did it for them, will you do it for me too? Amen? And I start trusting that he's going to work things out in my life. And then the fifth one is to rely on your church family. How many know we need each other? We are, we are not, you are not... Um, I said it last week. We're not islands unto ourselves. There are no spiritual lone rangers in the body of Christ. It's become increasingly more difficult, especially with this pandemic going on. And this pandemic seems to be pushing us all into our own little corners. And people are suffering for it because they don't have the, they're, using, they're losing the connectivity and the benefits of the one another's, to, to, to love one another's, to, to pray for one another's, to bear one another's burdens. Um, all of these ha happen in the context of community. But if we allow the enemy, a house divided, to separate us, did you know that's how, that's how wolves catch their prey and wild dogs? They will chase a herd and chase a herd, and the herd is too big to go after all at once. But what they'll do is they'll wait and chase this thing until one starts to separate or one starts to lag behind. And when they finally find that one lagging behind or separating, that's when the enemy pounces. The, my Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, 
And he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It makes it much more difficult when you're in the body of Christ and you've, and, and you've got the prayer covering of people around you. When I'm going through difficult times, Pastor Rick calls the church to pray. Come on, somebody. I call people in my church to pray. And, and I don't care what time it is. <laughs> do you have 3 a.m. friends? I do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Do you have 2 a.m. friends? Come on, somebody. If you don't have 2 a.m. friends and 3 a.m. friends, you, you need to work on your connecting because you're in a vulnerable position if you're out there by yourself. Does that make sense? But having said that, put on the helmet of salvation, use God's words, depend on the Holy Spirit, pray, and rely on the church family. Having said that, never lose sight of the fact that we are not fighting this battle alone. The battle is not ours alone. The battle is the Lord's. Now, he may be giving you instructions, things to do. Nehemiah told him, pick up a, pick up a work tool in one hand and pick up a weapon in the other and watch each other's back while the walls were going up. There might be things for us to do in terms of rebuilding the walls. It might need some knowledge. I put some resources out on the, on the table outside, things on how to, on marriage, things on how to deal with children. There's a lot of resources out there. It's all free. So if you need, if, you, if you're having, struggling in certain areas and you need some resources, when you go out today, just see if one of those applies to you and and take it, it's, it's yours for the taking. Marriages and the whole nine yards. Addictions, the, the whole nine yards. Um, if, if your thing isn't out there, there's a thing called Google. <laughs> you can Google resources today, amen? But what you don't do is you don't quit. Turn to someone and say you don't quit. You don't quit. You don't lay down. You don't say, oh, the enemy is threatening me. Uh, you know what, I'm just going to lay down and let him just overrun me. No, we've got too much we're fighting for, amen? We got, there's too much at stake. There's too much going on, and it's not just about me. It's about our future. It's about our children. It's about our children's children. There are certain things worth fighting for, and through Christ, we have the victory. Amen? Amen. It all starts with that personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today, you already have one, or maybe you need to recommit to that. But I gave you an outline or a process of fighting that will work. Is it instant gratification? No. But it's not perfection. It's direction. Do I start to make the change and allow God, His Word, the Holy Spirit to start to change my heart and change my mind so that I can see God's perfect will for my life take place in my life. And God's got a plan for you. You're not the exception. You're, okay? And I don't care how bad things have gotten. God has given you the grace to see your way out and, and to give you the victory if we start to do it His way. Does that make sense? Amen. So as we come to a, clo a close this morning, I'd be remiss if I don't give everyone an opportunity, even those who are listening online, an opportunity to pray and receive Christ if you haven't done that yet. That's the first step, the helmet of salvation. 
Let's everyone bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I declare that I've messed up, I've sinned, and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I ask for forgiveness. Forgive me for doing my own thing, taking my own path. I ask you to come into my life, to come into my heart. From this day forward, give me strength by your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Give me strength by your Spirit to put to death the, the deeds of the old nature that's causing so many problems. Help me to put on the new creation that you, you have purchased for me. Help me to renew my mind by your word. Today, I commit myself to you. And if you're recommitting, tell them that. Say, I recommit my life to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, just slip up your hand and say, I prayed, I prayed to receive Christ. I recommitted my life to Jesus. I see your hand. I see hands. I see hands going up. I don't see your hand online, but God does. So you just raise your hand and say, I prayed to receive Jesus. I recommitted my life today in Jesus' name. Father, you saw all the hands that went up. I pray that today would not be the end, but the beginning of a beautiful and long-lasting journey with you, that we continue to stay on your path, trusting that you're the good shepherd, lay down your life for the sheep, and that you are leading us you said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you said you've come that we might have life and that life to the fullest. We trust you, Lord, that you are leading us into a full life with our families, with our marriages, with our children. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen and amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.